0: Welcome to Waymaker Church Podcast. The heart of the house is that these messages would help you to encounter, live for, and advance the kingdom of God. Enjoy this week's message. I want you guys to go and turn in your Bibles uh, to the uh, book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to simply uh, give a brief recap from last week. Uh, We are in just a a little two-part message that I have for you that uh, uh, was given to me uh, through a dream that I had and uh, also that I shared a little bit last week, the revelation that came after it. And uh, when I woke up from the dream that I had had and the intensity of that dream, again, the Lord told me as soon as my eyes opened, it was just instant. He said, I want you to preach on the storehouse of God. And I, I remember thinking... I don't know a lot about the storehouse. One scripture came to mind. It was Malachi chapter three, verse eight, where he says, bring all the tide to the storehouse. And, uh, and as I read the verse later on and I thought about it, I knew that there was more to it. And uh, so as I spent the time just to read and to prepare, and even again this week, uh, just digging further into it, I just, I'm thankful for just the opportunity to lay the foundation first last week about the storehouses that we see in the scripture um, and how God wants to open up his good treasure to his people. But uh, this morning we're gonna look at, uh, within the storehouse, we're gonna look at how it's dispensed. How do we access the storehouse of God? And, uh, and so that's, the, that's what this message is going to be about. As we jump into it, though, let me uh, remind you uh, that the Hebrew word for good treasure that we looked at in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 10 through 12, uh, that word good treasure means storehouse. That word defined is a reservoir, a depository, a stockpile, house of treasures or wealth, an armory, a place to store tools for battle, the treasury of heaven, such as gold, silver, etc., and, uh, and so I told you last week at the end of the message that the name Almighty God in English is the Hebrew term El Shaddai. And that, that, uh, that word El Shaddai means uh, the many-breasted one, the all-sufficient one. And uh, essentially what it was saying is that he is the God. You and I serve the God who is more than enough. I want you to look at your neighbor real quick and tell him God is more than enough for you. You didn't know you are going to preach a message this morning. Now turn to your other neighbor and say God is more than enough for you. Amen. Listen, God is more than enough. He is sufficient to meet any need that you or I have. His provision and his power is vast. Listen, he is great in compassion, he sustains, he nourishes, he protects, he takes us in our weakness, uh, and and he strengthens us. He takes the inadequacies that we feel in our life where we don't feel good enough, that we don't have enough resources, that we don't feel like we have what it takes, and he brings the Holy Spirit, and he allows us to be strengthened and encouraged and filled so that we can do the things we can't do on our own. Amen? Amen? It's so good. And again, the general sense that I have from the revelation God gave me is that many people are bound by the limits of self-sufficiency. I'm going to say that again this morning. I want to drive that part home because I really feel like this is a, a major crux of this message and, and of, the, of what the Lord showed me, is that many people are bound by the limits of Self-sufficiency. And so the urge that I had sensed from the Lord, and I sensed it again this morning, is that we need to shift our focus from what we can do to what he can do. Amen? It's not about what we can do. It's about what he can do. But what I love is because God chooses to co-labor with us. He chooses to partner with mankind. It's something that he's always done, is that he then works through us. But it's not just about what I can do. It's about my yielded life being lived out for him. And God takes in, in, in his vastness, in his resource, and he actually takes what belongs to him and he funnels it through us and allows us to do more things than we ever thought were possible. But ultimately, it's about taking the, the, the storehouse provisions that he has. He has a desire to pour them out, but it's about shifting our perspective towards not just on self-resource and what I can do and what I can accomplish. I've heard this so many times from people when they, they have a dream or a vision from God. Like God has deposited something in them and they have a desire to do great things. And we talk about it. If I just ask you right now, how many of you desire to do something great for God? Raise your hand. We all have the desire to do something great for God because that's what's built in on the inside of us. We know that we are destined to do it. We know that we are destined to have purpose and passion and walk in authority and, and to see the impossibilities yield. Like we know that these things innately, that's what God desires from us. But how many of you think that you have the power to do it? Let me see your hand. That's what this message is all about. God wants to connect the dots and and, and remove the space between having the desire to do it and now having the power and the resource to do it. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not the message that I have for you today. It's not something that is is just like mind-blowing, and maybe it will be for you, but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm not just up here like, you know, coining some new revelation that nobody has had before. It's not that. It's just simply uh, the revelation of the word of God. But I wanna talk to you today about how is it that you take what God has placed in your heart and the things that you need and the provision of your life and all these pieces, how is it that you take these things but then actually go and do them? Does anybody want to do what God has for them for their life? Amen? Amen? I want to teach you how. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. This is scripture that you often hear at funerals, and I think it's fitting for that, but but what I realized is that it's not just for funerals. The scripture that I'm about to read to you is not just about eternity and someday, it's about today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this: it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now listen to this. But God has revealed them to us through his Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. That scripture right there holds the key for everything that we've talked about last week. I gave you guys the picture, and I didn't have the slide in there this week. I gave you guys a picture last week of a dam and a sluice gate, right? Like of an actual water dam. And behind that dam, right, was a reservoir and it, had, it represented the resources of God, or the storehouses of God. But just like any dam that you see, if there is a, a way to be able to let water out, that's called a sluice gate. And, uh, and again, when there's the resource behind it, if somebody opens up that gate, right? We talked about the windows of heaven that God wants to pour out, then the resource of that reservoir are gonna come rushing through that sluice gate, Amen. All right, so I gave you that picture because that's the best one that we could come up with for that illustration. But I want to tell you something this morning because we recognize that you and I are not the operators of that gate. Do you know who is? It's the Holy Spirit. Now here's the thing. I don't know what background you grew up with. I don't know what, uh, uh, there's varying denominations and, and flavors, I guess, of the gospel, if you want to call it that way. But here's the thing. I'm going to start with this, and it's not in my notes, but I felt prompted before the message this morning, is I need you to understand something. The Holy Spirit is not just some mystical force or power force. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not goosebumps that you feel in worship. The Holy Spirit is God. The Scripture tells us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, It says that eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. But here's the thing is, how do those things get revealed? The scripture tells us through the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna take a few moments this morning to, to, to look at this because as as I looked, uh saw last we saw last week, God has he's prepared and he has stored up all of these vastness of things, right? He he's got tons of resources. There's all kinds of things that he desires for us to have. But how many times have you been frustrated in your life because it seems like the provision of God is closed up to you? Has anybody ever felt that way before? That it feels like no matter how much you pray, how much you read, how much you do or whatever else, it just seems like there's a wall that's in front. Here's one of the things that I want to remind you. The book of James does tell us that it's possible to pray but to ask with wrong motivations and not receive. It is possible for us to be double-minded and unstable in all of our ways. And the scripture actually tells us, let not that man think that he should receive anything from the Lord. So inside of this, he's telling us, I have a vast supply that is set aside for you that I want to give to you, but then you also see simultaneously that there are some things that have, we have to pay attention to. There are some things that we've got to make sure that our, and our heart is correct, and this actually, I believe that today, what I'm going to talk to you about, I actually believe is one of the biggest reasons why we don't see breakthrough in the church. And so we're just going to simply look at it. But uh, So again, the things that God has prepared, right, that's in the storehouse. And this is what I love. He says that eye has not seen. That's awesome. He says that ear has not heard. That's amazing because that means that there is revelation that has not been seen or heard that he has stored up and is waiting for you. Does that excite anybody's spirit this morning on the inside? We're not like Egypt right now, just a bunch of mummies in a tomb. Because if you are, I'm believing this morning is going to be a Lazarus come forth morning. Because it's time for the old man and his self-sufficiency to die. To be raised to new life in the sufficiency of Christ. Amen? Amen. And I love this because the Holy Spirit is the one that is going to reveal. He searches all things. And this is what I love too. Pay attention to that verse. It says that the Spirit searches all things... Yes, the deep things of God. So the access to the storehouse, the access to the, the, to the supply and to the resource comes through the person of the Holy Spirit, who is just as much God as God the Father, who is just as much God as God the Son. Listen, the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning, hovering over the face of the water to carry out what God has said. And I realized that this morning, even as I was looking back again at my notes, and the Holy Spirit told me, he said, Joel, I haven't changed. He said, I was there in the beginning. You can look it up in Genesis chapter 1 for yourself. Right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the water. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? And light was what happened in that moment? Right, you can go back to John chapter one. They're like, "Oh, the Trinity's not in the Old Testament, or, or the Godhead." Yes, He is, because John one also tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And in verse fourteen, it says, "The Word took upon itself flesh. Um, yeah, the Word took upon itself flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten Son of God." So in the beginning, we see God the Father who was speaking. We see the Spirit of God who was there in creation. And the Scripture tells us there was nothing that was made without the Word, who is Jesus. But what I love about it is you have the authority of the Father. You have the the, the spoken Word of the Son and the Holy Spirit who carries it out. And it's the same thing today. God still sits on the throne. He's made a way for redemption in us by the Son, Jesus. And it's still by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's changing and creating and and doing all kinds of amazing things. Amen? Amen? I'm telling you this morning, you need to know the Holy Spirit. Christianity is not just about coming to church and learning how to say amen and uh uh-huh. Christianity is not just about singing the songs and getting the goosebumps in worship. Christianity is not just about spiritual disciplines. It is about relationship with God. But that relationship comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the inward witness. He is that spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowledge and understanding that wants to dwell on the inside of us. He is the one who searches the deep things of God and he reveals them to us as we seek his face. Amen. He is the one that we sense in the room when peace shows up. Why? Because Jesus actually said to the disciples at that time, it is to your benefit that I go away. It is to your benefit that I am removed and ascend back to my father. Because in the earth, the earth was limited to the ministry of Jesus. Now understand something. That's still pretty good. The one who's walking on water. The one where all sickness and disease is being healed, the one who walks uh, in knowledge, the one who has all wisdom, right? It's just powerful and amazing. But he actually says it was to your benefit that he goes away because if he goes away, he says, I'm going to send another and he's going to come and help you. And what I love is that same resurrection power that was in Jesus. When the prayer of Isaiah chapter 60 was open, when he said, Lord, rend the heavens and come down, and Jesus walks into the Jordan River, and all of a sudden, uh, the, uh, John looks up and he says, behold, I saw the heavens open and the spirit descending like a dove and resting and remaining on him. It's the same thing in the Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 experience where all of a sudden now they saw as a rushing mighty wind, the spirit of God, the breath of God coming down and resting on them as cloven tongues of fire. And what I loved is then it said in that moment this was the benefit is because now that spirit rested on every single one of them and he now went on the inside of them. When Jesus says that, that when we would believe in him, that he would come and make his home in us, right? He said that he and the Father are one, and they, want to desire, they desire to come and to dwell on the inside and to make their home in you. The way that they do that is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because it was limited in Jesus to do the ministry that only he could do. But he says, I'm going to send another. And the, and the potential of that other that's coming is going to just be supernatural in nature. And this is what I love. It is possible to live a supernatural lifestyle because the very nature of God is supernatural. And it's not about what you can do. It's about the fact that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's recognizing that it's not what you bring to the table. It's who he is in you. The El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the many-breasted one that has all of the resources. It's about him in you that gives you the ability to do what you can't do on your own. And what I love is then he equips us with the gifts of the Spirit. He equips us with the mind of Christ. He gives us his word. He gives us the, the, the strategy of how to pray. He talks to us about the surrendered life and the transformation and renewal of the mind. And he takes all of these things. It's this all-encompassing approach. And he says, that guy's got to die. This guy's got to be raised up. And this is just what we do. Amen. But he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it changes us from the inside out. Amen. 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 So in in that picture of the dam and the sluice gate, it's the Holy Spirit who is the operator of the gate on the dam. He is the one who searches all the things and includes the deep things of God. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 14, says, he will glorify me, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So what belongs to the Lord, that's the storehouse of heaven. If, If you don't remember this, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. This is after his resurrection. Right? So the demonstration of his power uh, over the enemy brings him glory. So Jesus holds all power and authority. Right? Jesus is our healing. It was prophesied in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Do you see that again, though? It says, But to you who what? Fear my name. We're back to the fear of the Lord that we talked about in Proverbs. You see, the relationship in reverence and respect of God and the moving of the Holy Spirit, that's the things that actually positions us to receive of the storehouse of God. The American gospel has taught us that we can name it and claim it. And I hate to tell you this this morning, but that is a lie. Actually, I don't hate to tell you. I'm glad to tell you. And this is why, because I'm tired of watching Christians be frustrated with God. Can I tell you today, he ain't the problem, he never will be. He has vast resources. The problem, so you know, is never on his end. And it never will be. Because he is the immutable God. He doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The nature of God is consistent. The provision of God is consistent. His ways are consistent. His testimonies are sure. And his word never fails. Amen. And so he doesn't change. So what does that mean for me? I might need to. Cuz I change. We always joke about it. We don't know what side of the bed we're going to wake up on each day. Are we going to wake up happy? My wife will. I'm probably going to be like like give me a couple cups of coffee. We'll be good. You know what I mean? Like slow start, let's enter into the day. But God doesn't change. Like he, he just, he's, he's the same. Like, God, I love that. I love that because more than anything, that's why we always talk about that. He's an anchor for our souls because he doesn't change. Like he's the one that just has the sufficiency in all the different moments. And we can trust his nature. We can trust his goodness. We can trust his provision. We can trust his authority. We can trust his power. We can trust his heart for us and his direction and his instruction. Why? Because it's not, he's not in a good mood one day and a bad mood the next. He's not like going to come after you one day and to destroy your life and the next day be like, you know what, I, just, I didn't get a good sleep yesterday, my bad. That's not who he is. He's faithful. So he holds all power and authority. Jesus is our healing. Jesus holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The message of the gospel, we have to remember this, the message of the gospel is about him. It's about his glory. It's about his power. And so all of the things are leading up to what we see in Revelation 1, 17 and 18. And this is when John the Revelator said, he said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He said, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And he says, and I have the keys of hell and death. He has all authority and all power, but this is the thing. The Holy Spirit takes of what Jesus possesses, and he releases it to us from the storehouses of God. Now, you have to understand something. I read that scripture to you about Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, and I'm about to read to you. Go ahead. Revelation 5 is what I told you to turn to. Actually, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 5. I told you to turn to 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. But turn to Revelation chapter 5, we're gonna look at the first verse. I need you to understand something. The release of the storehouse of God is about Jesus receiving glory. The release of the storehouse of God and the abundant provision and supply that He has, it does bring benefit to your life. But it is actually about His glory. Because when He provides It causes us to give thanks and praise to his name. At least it should. If you're not grateful, you need to learn to be grateful. But this is what it's all about. Look at Revelation chapter 5. And I'm going to read you the whole chapter because it's only 14 verses. And it's good. And I want you for a moment to go back to when you were a little kid. Remember back when we had imaginations before we got old and crusty? It's amazing. I don't either. Um, But here's the thing. I want you to listen to this. But I want you to imagine because this is actually something that's going to happen, by the way. Listen to this, starting in verse one of chapter five of the book of Revelation, it says, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that's the father, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. It says, then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And no one in heaven or in the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so he was overwhelmed, so I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, listen to this part. It says, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Can I get y'all for a second? Pay attention to that. Your prayers are like an incense and an aroma to the Lord. Do not negate praying. Do not negate crying out and asking God. Do not negate intercessory prayer and contending for those that are lost, contending for breakthrough, contending for the miracle. Listen, don't give in because the pressure gets intense. Continue to pray. Continue to seek. Amen? Listen, because I love this. It literally says that there are golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you are slain and you have uh, redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen, and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. You have to understand, again, the American gospel has put us as the central focus of the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is it has been and it always will be about him. The provision of God and the accessing of the storehouse is to bring glory and praise to God. But if I seek after it, that was a good one. call oh, that was a flying missile right there. But here's the thing, if I seek after it for my benefit only, if I seek after it whether it's the wisdom of God to see healing, whatever it is, if I seek after it because I want it to highlight me, I only want it to bless me, it's only about me, then I will never receive the storehouse of God. If you as a parent have a child who is selfish, are you going to indulge their selfishness? No, at least you shouldn't. I mean, if you want them to be rotten later on, okay, because we understand that, right? That if we spoil the children to a certain degree, you're gonna find out that they're gonna become entitled adults and they're not really good for anything. How much more the riches of the resource of heaven? Have you thought about that? How much more if God was to affirm selfish behavior potentially, and we think that that's the way to go about it? I want something. So I'm just going, that's mine. Now here's the deal. The Lord may give you instruction to speak a word to something. Follow his instruction and declare it. But just walking around to somebody else's house and going, that house is mine. Whatever. It's actually theirs. Because you don't live in it. If it's just about material possessions, if it's just about physical wealth, can I remind you of something? You don't get to take it with you. You can have trillions. And guess where it goes when you go in the grave? Wherever your will or the courts say that it goes. So it's about focusing on the right things because at the end of the day, God wants to uh, trust us with the true riches of the kingdom. God wants to pour out his provision from the storehouse, but the purpose is, is so that he might receive the glory. Amen? Not just so that we can get what I want, but this is what I love is that when he pours his provision out, it also benefits your life. And it's his good pleasure to give you good gifts. Do you see where I'm trying to get here? It it simply comes down to the motivation of the heart. It simply comes down to the position for why we're seeking in the first place. And if we can get our heart right... And if we can be engaged with the Holy Spirit and be in relationship with the Holy Spirit, we can receive of the storehouse of God. Because the release of the storehouse storehouse emphasizes the greatness of his glory, that he alone is worthy. And this is what the storehouse does, is it leads us into, when God releases it and we receive it in our lives, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to lead us into a deeper relationship with him. Because what he has done, yes, it provides and it meets our need, but it releases that praise and that thanksgiving to God. When I am mindful of the fact that I didn't have this before, God has met my need. And now I'm just saying, you know what, Father, thank you. Thank you for being amazing. Thank you for being so good to me. I don't deserve your goodness. And now I begin to release worship and praise and adoration, thanksgiving, back to the Father for what he has done. And this is what's amazing, is this cycle of of God's blessing and our praise, it actually creates a deeper and more intimate relationship with him. And and it causes us to trust differently. It causes us to walk differently. Amen? It's such a powerful thing. But this is what I realized, is that the extent of the release from the storehouse is tied to the depth of the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. The measure that we gain access is directly related. And it's not so much, I'm not talking about like a legalistic way that you have something to prove or to earn. It's not not what I'm talking about in the covenant that we have with the Lord. Because it's not, I struggled actually to write this down. I'm not talking about earning things from God. That's works. What I'm talking about is knowing him, and when you know him, and you're with him, and you have relationship with him, he can just simply trust you with more. The more won't spoil your heart because it won't ever be about you, and the deeper that we go into relationship, the greater the access Right. There are different types of tools in the kingdom. I asked the Lord one time, I was at a funeral and I was new in ministry, like full-time. And uh, so I would think about weird stuff, of course, especially if I'm not like actually preaching. Um, and I remember looking at this person in the casket because it was an open casket funeral. And I just remember going, Lord, your word says to raise the dead. And I was at that time just, I was willing to try anything. I'm like, let's do it, man. I'm thinking, but I got that thought of like, but we're at a funeral. Like, how is that supposed to work? Because I also knew the scripture says, it's appointed for every man to die once, and after that, the judgment. And so I had a little crisis going on in my mind. But I remember I asked him, I was just like, you know, I've read the you know, stories of Smith Wigglesworth and literally pulled a dude out of the coffin, slammed him into a corner, said, in the name of Jesus, live, and let go, and the dude slid down the wall. And he picked him up and threw him into a corner again. And said, I said, in the name of Jesus, live, and the dude, let him go, and the dude slid down the wall. But the third time that he said it, the dude walked out of the room. And and I sat there and I just went, Lord, you said to raise the dead. How are we supposed to know when to raise the dead? The funny thing was, is his response was very simple. He said, if I tell you to. I was like, oh, yes, yes, yeah. You know? (laughs) It was just interesting. But this was his follow-up to that, that moment. He's like, if I tell you to. He actually asked me this question. He said, Joel, do you think that you have the character to sustain what would happen if you raised the dead? Of the people that might try to seek you out. I thought about it for a second, and I went, nope. And he said, and that's why I haven't told you to raise the dead. And I went, oh, because we're supposed to do, listen, disciples are supposed to do what the master does, which means that it's actually possible for every person in this room to do that. Y'all thinking, you crazy today. You drank something weird. I don't even drink eggnog, y'all, so it wasn't bad. But here's the thing is we all have access to the storehouse and the power of the kingdom of God. What it is is the relationship that we have and the depth of that relationship with the Holy Spirit that determines the measure to which that gate is open. And so listen, if I do just enough to not go to hell, then that's probably the measure of the outpouring that I'm going to receive. But if I'm willing to live in a, in a certain way of relationship with him, where I spend time with him and I learn how to be still in the presence of the Lord and I seek his face for revelation and I read his word and I pray about his word and I pray for others and I step out in faith, if I do those types of things, my relationship to the Holy Spirit will begin to shift and to change. Can I lay hands on somebody a thousand times and not see breakthrough but still trust God for healing? Because it's not about me and whether I saw something and felt good about myself because they got healed. You see, there is a breaking inside of us. And that's what we always hear about with the anointing, that there is a crushing that has to come first. The crushing that has to come first is that you have to die to yourself. Because God won't share his glory with any. And that's what we're talking about. He is the one that is worthy. He is the one that that all glory and honor and praise and dominion and might and wealth and power. It's to his name. And we have a culture that's built up about their following and their level of influence. I hate to say this, God does not care about how many followers you have on social media. He is not impressed by that. Because here's the thing, do you have the capacity to be nameless Do you have the capacity to just be in secret? If no one ever knows the great exploits that you do for the Lord, can you handle that? Or do you need men's praise? Because the one that walks with the Holy Spirit is going to have a desire to honor the Holy Spirit. Because it's not going to be about you. It's not going to be about your gifts or your talent or your name or your prominence. It's not going to be about the pulpit or the altar or what you do out there. It's not going to be about the miracle or the breakthrough or anything else. All of those things. Listen, miracle signs and wonders point to something. They point to the greatness and the vastness of who he is. That's all that they're there for. And the person gets the benefit of being healed and having breakthrough. But it's about him. It's about his glory. It's about being able to take, and a supernatural God overrides a natural thing, and people get set free. And that's the whole purpose of walking with the Holy Spirit and the demonstration of the Spirit, the the book of Acts and all of these things. Our responsibility is to make him known. And there are different levels of that in different people's lives. Like some people need a radical encounter. Some people need a prophetic word to come forward. Some people need somebody to have a word of knowledge that comes up and just reads their ever-loving mail. Listen, when I was called into the ministry, that's what happened to me. I knew I was called. I struggled with it for six months. God sent an evangelist, and right in the middle of the message, or at the, in the middle of the altar, I didn't want to draw attention to myself because I wanted to be humble before the Lord because I was pretty much about me before that. You know, I joined the worship team so people could hear how good I could sing. I wanted to sing the solos. Back then, we did specials. It was like every offering, we all had like a performance track of some kind, and I wanted everybody to hear, you know, I wanted to sing my own song, how great thou art. Gosh. But as the Lord began to shift my heart, I was in that service, and I remember that moment at the altar, and the Lord said, get on your knees and lift your hands, and I said, God, I don't want to draw attention to myself. He said, get on your knees and lift your hands. How many of y'all know when the dad tone drops a little bit, you just do what he says, you know what I mean? If you've never heard that, just wait, you will. But it was in that moment, all of a sudden, he just said, get on your knees and lift your hands. And that person came and had a a full-on word, just a word of knowledge. He did not know me from Adam, and he spoke out every last thing that I was dealing with. Insecurities, I didn't feel like, like, why me? Like, Lord, why would you even trust me to do that? I'm not worthy of that. And the whole thing, I mean, he just, he called it out, he spoke to it, confirmed the call of God, and here I stand before you today as a result. So God uses those things for his purpose and his plan so that others can come into the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that they can step into purpose and into authority, and they can see fresh encounters with the Lord. That's why he does the things that he does. That's why the storehouse is there. But the extent of the release from the storehouse is tied to the depth of relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. There's no way I'm going to get this done. Gosh. Hmm. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Listen, according to the power that works within us. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. It is limited by the power that's at work within you. The power that's at work within you is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The fear of the Lord, again, is not just simply being afraid of God. It's the reverential awe of who he is. And so when we carry the awe of God, we'll see the goodness and provision of God. Psalms 3119 again says, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. So the fear of the Lord leads us to a place of reverent trust in the Lord, and he becomes our source and our supply, and we place our trust in him through the Holy Spirit. He releases to us the things that we need. And he does that because he's a good father. So how do we access what God has stored up for us? As I said a moment ago, the storehouse of God is not a heavenly vending machine. It's a place of overflow and abundance that is released through intimacy. Please get that this morning. It's not a vending machine. It is a place of overflow and abundance that is released through intimacy with the Lord. Wisdom, healing, provision, and favor do not come simply because we want them to. It does not come just because we, in our best religious voice, at the end of our prayer could say, in the name of Jesus. Ah. Listen, it's not the eloquence of our prayers that causes him to respond to us. It's not just a vast amount of knowledge or scripture that you have memorized that causes him to respond to us. It's not about that. It's about the intimacy that I have with him and knowing him and spending time with him and seeking him, saying like, like literally a prayer in my heart right now and I laid on my face during worship and asked for the same thing. I said, Holy Spirit, I want to know you more. Because cool, I've stepped into whatever you know, experience that I've had and that's awesome but there, there's always more. There's all, like, the entirety of your life, you, you could be 125 years old and there's still more. Mankind may not change, but there's more. We're going to spend eternity looking at the more and never run out. And so again, the things of God, the access to the storehouse is access through relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so to access the storehouse of God, we have to do a couple things. First, we have to learn how to sow to the Spirit. Galatians 6.8 says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. But so how do we sow to the Spirit? Through the cultivation of Christ-like nature in us, right? It's the transformation and the renewal of the mind that, that takes us out of self-indulgence and self-gratification to freedom in Christ, right? As I renew my mind, that's what the Word of God, that's what changes me to no longer just be about myself, where it actually becomes about Him. And so when I do that, I'm actually sowing to the Spirit, and of the Spirit, it's going to produce life in me. Right, The very nature of God, the, 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 the power of his presence, the greatness of his provision, those things begin to be funneled into my life, and it's a beautiful thing. And this is why Paul instructs us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. He says that you put off concerning your, concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. He says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we sow to the Spirit by no longer letting our sinful nature control our minds. We cultivate and nurture our relationship with the Holy Spirit through obedience to the Word and prayer. Right? So when we're going to sow to the Spirit, we're, we, we sow into it by getting into the Word, by spending time in prayer, by seeking His face, by asking questions. And the result of the cultivation and nurture is actually seen in the fruit of the Spirit, right, found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And the fruit of that relationship is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, meekness, temperance, self-control. Against such there is no law. That's just simply an outflow that you can see of what's happening on the inside. See, we've actually reduced in America Christianity to just behavior modification. Like, oh, well, you're supposed to be loving and kind, but you're not. Right, Like, well, you're supposed to be grateful, or you're supposed to have peace, or you're supposed to have joy. And we can go around in our own strength trying to produce these things instead of realizing that it's just simply by relationship with the Holy Spirit that these things are a byproduct. And so we're sometimes we're pursuing after the wrong thing. We're pursuing after the external things in our own strength instead of just laying down our lives, pursuing him, and allowing the greatness and the kindness of who he is to simply flow out of us. Because it's a byproduct of that relationship. It's a, it's a byproduct of my time spent with him. Listen, every time I'm driving, I need, y'all pray for me. I need Jesus in my vehicle, man. Especially in Roswell. Did you know that red lights are intended for people to stop? Did you know that those like octagon things that have S T O P that go on like end of roads and stuff also mean stop? It's we don't. I mean, I understand the Hebrew read. From right to left, but we read in America from left to right. So the sign doesn't say pots. It says stop. Now, we got potholes. That's a whole different thing. But it's amazing to me. Like yesterday, we were driving back into town, went to a, a cheer competition after food distribution. And uh, we were coming back into town. And evidently, the Lord needed to do some work in my heart because it was like the lanes at Walmart back when they had cashiers. And no matter which one you get in, it went slower. You remember that? So you move to the other one, and all of a sudden, like, that lane's just like... And they're all going like 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. Yeah, it was one of those days. And I found myself getting frustrated, you know, where you just want to like rip around them in some gap and just punch the accelerator. Again, why we don't have decals on our cars for church. (laughs) Reminded me once again, we're not going to have them. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He says, what is your problem? And I'm always talking about this stuff in the practical because I want to drive it home. He just goes, what is your problem? He's like, what are they doing that's so bad that's going to ruin your whole afternoon and cause you to be gruff to your wife, gruff to your kids, and have a bad attitude? I was like, 12 miles an hour would help? No. I was just like, (laughs) no. But it's interesting because, again, that relationship in those moments is when he begins to speak to you about just basic everyday things. But what happens, though, is what he's doing is he is working to renew your mind to temper the thing that is in you that is not godly. And he's trying to bring you into Godly relationship. Where he's going, be patient, be kind, stop being a jerk. It's not so much scriptural, but it's in there. You know what I mean? In the sense, like it's not like the eleventh commandment, "Thou shalt not be a jerk." Like it's not in there, but you understand though that it is hidden inside the law of love and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so, to sow to the spirit, we have to feed on the word of God and be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So the revelation and the resource of the kingdom flows through the Holy Spirit to us, and so we have to learn to live with an awareness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And and again, when we live that way, he will take the resources of heaven and pour them out into every area of our life. Listen, when it comes, say, to finances, sensitivity to the Spirit may be that God speaks to you and gives you revelation for some new product or idea that makes you successful in business. Sensitivity to the Spirit may be him teaching you how to treat your people better so that you're a better employer more people want to work to you and your productivity increases it's not always somebody writing a check for you to check to you and handing it to you that's what the the prosperity gospel was on to the right thing about the provision of God it just shifted to man's ways of getting it so the principle was not wrong because God is an abundant God who has overflow but when it becomes selfish in nature just about what i can get from it that's where the problem begins to arise Amen? I got too much message for my time, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could just read it to you. <laughs> That'd be quicker. <laughs> Let me say this, because I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you this. What is the purpose of the blessing and the provision. Why does God want you blessed? Why does he want you to have more than enough? Because the blessing of God stored up for the child of God covers every area of human need. And even more than that, it carries with it God's anointing. God's desire to bless his people with the divine ability to prosper is so great because he desires for them to become an instrument of God for whom divine favor flows to others. Listen, God desires to bless your spiritual life. He He desires to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He desires for you to walk in love. He desires for you to be overflowing with the joy of the Lord. To manifest the fruits of the Spirit. To flow in the gifts of the Spirit. To demonstrate the power of God. I believe that He wants health in your body. I believe that He wants you to have increase in the area of finances. But that's not the whole reason. He wants all of those things. Listen, Solomon was rich in gold. Abraham was rich in gold, rich in silver, men servants, maid servants, cattle, material wealth. They had so much stuff that the land couldn't even take care of them. Solomon uh, was arrayed in glory and splendor and, and majesty as an earthly king. So much that God said there would never be another like him. God's not concerned about all those things. It was His pleasure to do that, and the reason He gave Solomon so much is because Solomon asked Him in a dream. God was like a genie moment. He goes, "What do you want?" And he says, "I need wisdom." to lead a people that are so great of yours. And he says, because you didn't ask for the head of your enemies, because you didn't ask for a longer life, because you didn't ask for material things, he says, I'm gonna give you wisdom and I'm gonna give you all of those things. Do you see that in that moment, it all came down to the fact of what was happening in here. Solomon simply said, I need you. And God says, that's awesome. You've answered correctly. Now I'm gonna give you all the other things too. Why? Because if our heart can be so fixed upon him that he is our desire, he can pour out all the other things, and it won't take our heart. I've said all along, money is not a problem unless it has your heart. The, The size of your house is not a problem unless the size of your house has your heart. The niceness of the car that you drive is not a problem unless it has your heart. If your identity is tied to those things, that's sin, Amen? If your hope and joy in life is tied to those things, it's sin. If if money and wealth defines you, it's sin. But if you see it as a resource, you see it as an opportunity, and it doesn't have your heart, God's okay with pouring more out as long as he can use you. Because it wasn't you in the first place who had the power to get it. He's the one that gave it. He's the one that gave the wisdom. He's the one that gave the blessing. He's the one that gave the favor. He's the one that poured out the resource and made you successful. And so how do we respond to that? By just simply going, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want. Now, you have to understand something. There are times when the Lord will, will, will you can be faithful and tithe and offering in uncomfortable offerings and extravagant offerings. And listen, extravagance is not a dollar amount. Extravagance is how painful it feels in here when he says to give it. Like, I remember getting a bonus one year, and the Lord said, It's not for you. And I was like, Man, I felt like it was. And instead, he said, sow it. So we did. And, I, and the thing is, and so for somebody else, the dollar amount, I'm going to be like, Okay, cool. I could write one of those times, you know, 100. That's cool. But for me, it was extravagant because it was costly. But if he can trust me in those moments to just simply live obedient to him, then he'll be willing to pour out more because it's not about what I can get. It's just simply about what I can give. And what I love about the nature of generosity and giving and the resource of it is that is actually what opens the door. Listen, we talked about this before with the tithe. Do we realize that the access to the storehouse of God is so often related to our obedience? Because again, when it comes to money specifically, he knows that like we want to provide for ourselves. That's part of the fallen nature. And so when we tithe, we are out loud saying, I trust you. That's why that is so hard. That is why tithing and giving and those things, that is why it's so difficult. Because it's a matter of trust. Can I provide for me or is he going to provide for me? And when we're not in a a close relationship with him, especially early on, and we don't have understanding and we've not seen the provision of God, what ends up happening is, is we're going, oh, but maybe he won't. And all the what-if questions begin to well up on the inside of us, and it leads us into doubt and unbelief and away from the promises of God. But what we learn is that when we trust him and we walk by faith and the storms crop up. Listen, when I, when I began to step out in that area, did you want to know what happened? My truck broke down. Bunch of junk always happens. Medical things came up, and all of it was extra outflow. The pressure was on. Was I just simply going to trust and believe? was I going to stay faithful? And I'm blessed to be able to say in that season, I did stay faithful. I didn't go back to trusting in myself all the way down to the point where I told the Lord. I said, either your word's true or you're a liar. You didn't strike me down, pretty thankful for that. Because I said, you told me to test you in this. Next pay period, we're going under. So either you are who you say you are or you're not. And, uh, And literally from that next pay period, we have never lacked for any good thing. Not one time. There's always been enough to meet the need. It's amazing to me. That's an access of the storehouse of God in our life because we were willing to be faithful and obedient to do what he asked us to do. But what is the blessing and the provision for? I'll try to wrap this up. First, I believe it's for you to thrive in your relationship with him, number one, and that you would know firsthand the goodness and the kindness of God because you can't lead people to places you've not been. The second thing is this, is that he wants to use your life as a conduit of blessing for others. The blessing and provision of God is about overflow. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 5 through 11, where he says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren. To go over you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not of grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having, uh, always having all sufficiency, right? He's El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. The overflow of the Spirit of God is not about us. It's about having a provision for every good work so that he might receive the glory. Amen? if we can shift and position our heart to where we realize we're not manipulating him to get something from him. I don't pray just because I want something. I don't pray and ask just because I feel like I need something if I can shift my heart to seek him and to know him and desire him, he'll actually just simply put desires in my heart. He actually says he would give me the desires of my heart and not necessarily just in things that I want. I believe that he will actually change the desires of my heart. He will give me the desires of my heart. So what didn't need to be there gets washed out and what needs to be there, he places it there. And once he places those desires there, they typically are going to align with his kingdom And as they align with the kingdom, I'm going to see the blessing, the provision, and the overflow of who he is. And the deeper I go, the more access I receive. And it's the same for all of us. So the nature of the storehouse of God and the blessed life is seen through the life of generosity. And this is what's cool. In the Hebrew, blessing is a state of being that is totally separate from temporal situations or circumstances. Those that said that they are blessed by God, it it, it didn't, none of the things that around them were a factor in that. It was something that was totally separate from that temporary situation or the things that they were going through. And the overflow of a blessed life is found in the one who is happily generous. And you have to understand something. Generosity is not just with, with finances. Generosity is with your time. Generosity is in how you serve others. Generosity is in the moments that you stop for people. And you take the time to invest in their life and to sow into them. It's a generous life. And so this morning, the, I realized that, thank you for giving me 10 extra minutes, not that you had a choice because I was still speaking. But um, the thing is, is, is God wants to pour out his provision upon your life so that your life can have the impact that he desires for it to have. If you want to be able to do the dreams and the visions and the things that God has placed in your heart, you need to know the Holy Spirit. He is the access point. He is the delivery system. Thank you for listening to the Waymaker podcast. To simply connect, or if this message ministered to you and you would like to support the ministry, you can simply go to waymakerchurch.org.